It's funny, an architect very early on in my career told me, Tai, people are going to try and take from you what you create in this industry that they cannot create for themselves. My experience has been a reflection of nothing short than that truth. And what I'm going to talk to you about today in today's podcast is how to protect what you grow so you can leverage it into indestructible wealth that no one can take from you. Hey, 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 welcome to today's show on The Real Tea Talks with Tai hosted by investor queen, Tai. On this show, Tai aims to empower women, wives, and working parents with financial literacy fueled by real estate investing. Are you ready to learn how to create generational wealth and leave a legacy for your family? Go to www.wholesalingai.com. Now, for today's episode, here's your host and investor queen, Tai. Welcome back to the Real Tea Talks with Tai podcast show. As you know, I am your host, Tai, and I am so excited to be back on the air, back on your speakers or your headphones or your wherever you're listening to me, okay? Whether it's in your home, on your couch, or while you're working out, I am happy to be back with you guys to go over some of the very, very fascinating things that I've been having a lot of discussions recently about um, in the midst of graduate graduations and estate planning and taxes due, right? All of these things come as competing priorities, but nothing competes with the priority of family. So my brief hiatus was because I had to get my family affairs straight since we've been traveling, graduating, celebrating, winning, uh, going through some changes with the COVID and trying to restructure uh, certain things. So all of these things are never ending processes, never to be a discouragement and always to be something that you can learn from and you can work through. So today's episode, we are going to be talking about how to do certain work throughs, more specifically, how to work through your wealth strategy, okay? Because your decisions determine your wealth. I learned that very early on. I heard it as a repeating theme kind of throughout my real estate investing journey, and it's one that I was inspired to share with you guys today in regards to your decisions. Decisions are everything. They're countless. They're many. They're a They are voluminous depending on what you're doing at any given time. You're making numbers of decisions. You see, you make so many decisions that you don't even think about, that you don't even realize on a day-to-day basis, right? Everything from what time you're going to wake up to what you're going to eat for breakfast to what you're going to do today, right? But all of those decisions, no matter how micro or macro they are, affect your wealth because not only what you know how that affects it, but it also what you do with what you know, right? And what you do because you don't know or what you don't do because you don't know. All of these things might seem micro, but on a macro level, on a larger level, a big picture level, they affect your wealth. They affect the decisions that you make with how you're going to live your life, how you're going to spend every dollar that you make or receive, right? Because every dollar that you make is not earned income. It can also be passive income or portfolio income, right? There's these different decisions that go into every single thing that we do every day. And wealth is ultimately determined by those very decisions that you make on a day-to-day level. So if you make good decisions, right, you get good results. But what about if you make those bad decisions, those decisions that sometimes you end up regretting even as you get older and in hindsight, look back on them and reflect on them? Well, the challenge is that most people choose to make no decisions 
decision, so they completely abdicate their responsibility for building wealth to third-party people, places, and planners who may have the same vested interest, but no one will have the same vested interest as you do over your family's financial future. That is your responsibility. The trouble that I'm seeing and having is people abdicate, give off that responsibility to third parties without checking back in to see, hey, even though this vehicle for me should be passive, I still ultimately hold the the card and responsibility to something bigger than my endeavor that I'm investing in, but to my family, to my future, my finances, right? No matter what nobody else is saying, right? Those things are super important and people willingly give up that responsibility to financial planners. A lot of people have told me, hey, you should be a financial planner. You know so much about so many different things. You should be a financial planner. And while that's not a bad idea, and I did consider getting my Series 7, which ultimately I might get, or some other series in licensures or certifications at some point, that's just not a focus I have because I've been able to do what I do and operate how I do without those things, right? No no um, shade or anything towards people who get them, but that's just been my experience is that I've been able to pretty much do the same or similar things. And I don't want to be a burden to someone else who completely 100% invest all that they have, know, and do without having a hands-on relationship, at least for maybe the first one year, right? I, 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 I don't mind doing it. It's a responsibility I actually have to even our private investors, my husband and I, our whole team have, right? But it's not something that I really feel people should do. I feel like I'm crippling them. So it's not that I don't feel like I should have that responsibility to other people that I'm teaching, preaching, or talking to, or taking under my wing, you know, in regards to how to be successful investing in real estate. It's just that I I feel like I'm crippling them, right? Like you do so much um, that people think that that's normal, but they don't realize that other people that are in those positions of planners and things like that, they actually do less, they earn more, and you give away ultimately more. A lot of people, especially older people, will say that once you teach a man something, you teach an individual. But when you teach a woman, you teach a nation. Well, I have been fortunate enough in my journey experience and even current role to teach women, right? And so with that perspective, that's the reason I haven't chose to be a financial planner or that I say that I'm not super huge on abdicating that responsibility because I don't feel like even though women want to learn, do, and know, if if you completely remove yourself from that equation, then that removes me from teaching you, but also teaching the nation of you, right? Teaching something that's bigger than, and beyond just the individual or yourself, right? So from that philosophy, that's why I have a trouble with this wealth building for women who are looking specifically with, again, no shade, no right or wrong, no finger pointing, no blaming, right? No ridiculing, no judgment even. It's just an observation that I've had that I really wanted to speak on to be able to help, you know, women especially to understand and explore the alternative of having a relationship, a hands-on relationship with the investments that you make so that it can directly be correlated and impact the wealth that you build for yourself, your family, and the financial future of both. 
Like it fascinates me even to this day that there's an entire industry devoted to people not making decisions, right? That's the whole industry of financial planning. It's completely absurd to me when I first heard about it, right? But in order to really make good decisions, you must have good information, good support, good resources, right? Good information often comes from your financial statements. But wait a second, you say, like, do I have to be an accountant? Do I have to go get a license? And uh, do I have to go get a certification or take a certain series of classes, right? You're thinking all these things. You're like, no, you don't have to know how accounting works. You don't have to understand debts and credits, right? You don't have to understand entries onto the income statement, even though you should. You don't have to understand the mechanics of entering those things, right? But what you do need to know and not abdicate is how to use your financial statements. And that's what I'm talking about, right? Even though you are not preparing your financial statements, you're hiring out for that and outsourcing, in other words, you're still responsible for them, right? For example, let's take, for example, something as common as your tax returns. Your returns are prepared based on your financial statements. And when you sign your tax returns, you actually have that obligation under penalty of perjury to make sure the financial information reported is actually accurate. So what does this mean, right? Does it mean that I have to dot I's and cross T's, that I have to prepare them myself because that's the only way to ensure accuracy? Well, actually, no. That's actually one of the bigger ways to assume that they won't be as accurate or as effective for you um, as as they can be, right? It means that there's still a component of human error that can be made from misunderstandings or just lack of information or knowledge on behalf of your of your tax preparer maybe right like this means you must have that good team that I talk so much about who can prepare those accurate and very timely financial statements for you and you must know how to use those statements in order to make sure they are accurate because once you sign your name on them you are promising right you are swearing in other word under penalty of perjury that they are accurate well how do you determine accuracy without literacy? How do you become literate without financial understanding, context, and education that develops your literacy, what they call financial literacy, right? You have to be able to understand them, again, going back to even a macro level, not a mechanical level, right? That doesn't mean that you're the person, the technician preparing them. It doesn't mean that you're the person, you know, punching in the numbers and and creating the formulas, but it does mean that you understand financial statements with enough financial literacy to interpret them, convey them, and sign your name to affirm them, to confirm that they are accurate. Right. So all of this starts with what? The education piece. Right. And there's three primary financial statements that you have to know that you have to be educated about and how to use them. So what are these three financial statements? Right. What are these three things that create your tax returns, that create your debt? Right. That you're able to leverage in order to acquire properties to invest in real estate. Well, if you're going through conventional means and even if you're not going through conventional means, the lenders, the debt lenders are usually no matter if they're conventional, hard uh, or or equity based sources. Right. Of lending 
from financial institutions, hedge funds, life insurance companies, right? Any of these people that are lending money are asking, do you know your numbers and what do those numbers look like? Are you enjoying this show so far? I sure hope so. Please like, share, subscribe to the channel and feel free to leave me a message down below. Welcome back. Welcome back. So as we were talking about knowing our numbers of what builds our wealth, the decisions that we make on a daily basis and the education for financial literacy that we create for ourselves are two key ingredients often overlooked because of the fact that people don't know how to understand the financial statements that create their tax returns, something they think they understand. What those three key pieces of financial data are that I'm talking about that a lot of you are probably still wondering, what is she talking about? Well, here we go. The first one is an income statement. The second one is called a balance sheet. And the third one is called your statement of cash flow. Okay, now all of this information is presented on what's called these financial statements, and it's based on either an entity, meaning a business, if you set yourself up to be a corporation or little limited liability com- company or a limited partnership, um, any of those business entities, not including a trust, right? These financial statements t- can be created and should be created and maintained on behalf of. Or they also can be created and presented on behalf of a person, meaning you as an individual also should have these numbers for yourself, right? Not even if you have an entity. So every entity, including yourself as an individual entity, right? Even though you're a person, I still think of myself as an entity, right? Just so that I move differently with how I manage my own personal finances in addition to my entity's finances, right? It's a mindset shift. So for example, if you have that business entity and that structure in place, then it has its own financial statements, all three of them, meaning an income statement, a balance sheet, and a statement of cash flow. If you have an investment entity, right, it also should have its own financial statements, all three of them. Again, income statement, balance sheet, statement of cash flow. You should also have it for your personal self, right? Your personal income statement, your personal balance sheet, and your personal statement of cash flow. So you're like, okay, if I'm looking at these primary financial statements, what is that data really going to reveal to me? Like what, why is it important, right? Well, it's important so you can understand what your financials are telling you. Without that storyline, without that knowledge and literacy to understand what it's telling you, you have very little to no chance of actually building wealth. Or if you do get rich, which is not the same thing as wealth, you won't know how to sustain it and leverage it and grow it into wealth because you're not understanding the story. You're not understanding the, the, the numbers so that you could 
could make good decisions all the time based on accurate and relevant information. Like that would be amazing, right? If you had all of this accurate, relevant, timely information about your finances and the financial analysis of an investment perhaps that you're pursuing at your fingertips and you're like, awesome, all I gotta do is turn on my computer or my phone, click a couple buttons and bam, it's telling me a whole story and projection about how this is going to add, subtract or keep my wealth the same right? What if you had that magic button? Well, these three key pieces of information called financial statements give you that power, give you that leverage. They give you that, they give your numbers, your finances, that voice. So it's it's like, why would you go through life mute, right? What if you couldn't talk? That's the same thing that your wealth is over here like, hey, you know, you can't hear me because we can't communicate. We're not talking the same language, right? So you have to understand the language of money, the language of finance, and organize and structure yourself with a good team to provide you with that data and information so that you can talk the same money language and build the same type of wealth that others are building using these really basic almost tools, right, that are often negated. So the first thing of an income statement, you know, being just even the break-even, is what's also referred to as your profit and loss statement. It shows two parts of income and expenses, right? The purpose of income is to create cash flow, okay? And the purpose of expenses is to create income. What does that mean? Well, anytime there's an expense, the goal is to increase your income by investing in that expense, Okay, if a business hires an employee, for example, to handle all of our sales calls or all of your sales calls, well, the goal is to increase sales, which in turn increases your income. Okay, an expense can be paid in cash or on an account. It doesn't just mean a cash transaction, for example. On account just simply means that the expense has been incurred and still needs to be paid, but you have not yet processed that payment, right? It's called an account payable. Cash does not go out of the business until the account is paid. So once you understand that on a very basic level, lenders are looking for that, right? If they're like, hey, if you're like, hey, I need money, right? Can you loan me money? I'm providing you an opportunity to make double digit returns or I'm providing you an opportunity for this, especially if you're going to a bank more so directly or a hard money lender. Well, they're absolutely going to ask you to provide us these these really, like I said, basic financial documents. So when it comes to that, you're like, okay, what do I do if I have them? Like, how do I even use my income statement? Okay, so we're not gonna get too far into what you want to look at on your income statement beyond just overall what I would say to make sure you understand at an even very basic level, which is your net income, Income is basic income, just meaning income minus your expenses. That's basically your indicator of how much money you've made over a specific time frame. Your accounts receivable, right? And your expenses. Like overall, you just are making sure you understand every item and every amount listed on your income statement. All right, now we're talking about balance sheets, okay? So the balance sheet, it actually has three parts, right? Income statement, also AKA profit and loss has two parts. And then your balance sheet, it has three parts. It has the part of the asset, the liability, and your net worth, also known as what's called your equity, right? That's also known as your net worth. 
Now, for the first part, the purpose of an asset is either to increase your income or to decrease an expense. So let's say you purchase a rental property, right, at 123 Main Street, and you're like, awesome, I have this rental property. Well, what else do you have, right? You're creating an asset. And the purpose of the rental property is to provide you cash flow from the rental income you receive that is paid to you by the tenant paying their rent. This rental income then increases your income, okay? If you're talking about from a business standpoint and your business buys equipment, for example, or electronics, then that replaces what an employee does, right, from a just mechanical level, but it also decreases your payroll expense, right? So that's what we're talking about, that inverse relationship of, of, of the asset either increasing your income or decreasing an expense, The second part is the liability. And the purpose of that liability is either to increase an asset or to decrease an expense, right? Now, how you actually use this balance sheet is to look for underperforming assets in your asset column, right? Those are assets that either do not increase your income and do not decrease your expenses. If you have those, you have to get rid of them because they are not actual assets, right? If they're costing you money and not decreasing in expense, you they're, they're not good and quality performing assets that you should be holding in your portfolio. That's the story your balance sheet is telling you, right? The second component being liabilities, you're looking for underperforming liabilities, which are essentially, they either don't increase your assets and they don't decrease your expenses, Okay, and then the third thing just to be aware of, like I mentioned, is the third financial statement called your statement of cash flow. And that also has three parts, your operations, investing and finance. Now, again, I'm not here to give you a world class education on financial statements, specifically the three key ones that I'm talking about, income sheet, balance statement and statement of cash flow. No, that's not the goal. The goal is really to equip you with the basic level of understanding of what if you don't know about these you need to know so that you need to know why you're not building the wealth that you're trying to create through rental real estate through investments through a a stock market if that's your thing through bitcoin if cryptocurrency is your thing through gold and silver from or precious metals um ethereum like whatever your thing your vehicle is to create wealth that you feel passionately about and that number one you understand right you cannot have a a a a very good, well-rounded understanding of that if you can't understand the story that those numbers are trying to tell you because these financial statements for yourself personally and for your entity don't exist, right? I'm just trying to give you that context because that's where I see the biggest disconnect in wealth building is negating the education, right? The financial literacy, negating the the team building component, your financial team, which is going to help you ultimately with creating your financial statements and your financial situation overall. And you're like, well, who are those people that would be included in this financial team? Like, are they somewhere that I have to fly to? Well, maybe, but they're, they start with you. You're the head of that financial team. You can't abdicate that responsibility. You always need to be involved with your financial team because you are still the person steering that ship, right? You're still the person in the driver's seat of that vehicle, right? But in addition to you, it's not just you, right? It's not just you. But 
It does extend to a bookkeeper. That's the first hire I tell people they should have is a bookkeeper to be able because their job is to to um, is accuracy, right? Your your bookkeeper prepares your financial statements, and their job is to make sure those statements are prepared accurately. Then you have your accountant. That should be the next person you add to your financial team because that accountant, your CPA, your tax advisor, their job is analysis. Their job is to analyze. Their job is analyzing your financial statements with your accountants. Uh, I, I mean, with you, right? That's your financial um, uh, statements that your bookkeeper is helping to create. And then you have an attorney, right? Because your attorney's job is to protect your wealth, right? The the A good thing that I've heard a long time ago that also extends to now is that you build your moat before you build your wealth right you build that kind of that kind of protection of your assets before you start building your asset base right and people all the time are so eager to get into real estate but it's like it takes one lawsuit under you personally it takes one lawsuit under even your entity that can wipe you out and you don't want that to happen so you have to build up your asset protection that asset protection comes from your financial team in one regard right and that financial team consisting of an attorney because that is their job to help protect your wealth now your banker is the last person or not the last person but the the last most critical person that is on your financial team because your banker's job is funding right you need to develop a relationship a professional relationship with your banker a banker ideally a banker that is at a credit union or a local small regional bank i tell people this and they're like what all right i'll do that why can't i just go to b of a bank of america why can't i just go to chase right well why can't i just go to wells fargo well, you can. And I do encourage people to have um, accounts at these other bigger financial institutions. But the trouble that I have is that they the, the relationship banking, right? They are not relationship banks. They do not say, hey, look at me. I am an individual person looking to build wealth. And they're going to say, great, I support your mission and passion you know, let's sit down, let's cultivate this relationship so that I can provide you premium products or, or different creative stratagems outside of the normal context and the confinements of traditional financing. That usually, that conversation isn't even going to happen. I remember when I went to my first banker, which was at Chase, and I told him in very basic English what I was doing, right? What my business was, what the goal is, what I need him to do in order for this business banking relationship to work. And he was like, uh, I have no idea what that means. Like, is that commercial? Is that like no understanding, right? Just I need to develop a financing relationship where the bank is participating in my deals as the financing partner, right? The debt lender, right? I buy properties at this amount that are worth here. I, I buy them down here, right? To create value and be able to force appreciation, right? Through renovating the property, and then being able to hold those properties long term for cash flow. And through that cash flow, I consistently pay you back. That was like uh, another language almost for him, right? Didn't understand it. Went to another banker at Wells Fargo. Didn't understand it. She was like, I am not going to lie. I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, we are not taught that. We are not that type of bank. 
like, what do you mean? Right. It wasn't until you get to those local regional banks that you can search that as a as a keyword and then put in your city name. Right. Find those that have only been in existence for maybe one to five years. They're small. They make money off of deposits. Right. And they're relationship banks. So they want your deposits. They want you making money. They want your business. Right. And they have a bigger incentive to ensure your success in the interim of doing so. Right. So definitely, definitely you want to do that. Like you want to make, again, that decision on who you bank with, on the financial team, the people you add to that team. You're the one that has to make these critical decisions, right? Being able to make good decisions is one thing. And it also requires you, like I mentioned before, to have good information. And your financial statements are the starting point to having that access to good information. So when you look at your financial statements for the first time, it is difficult to understand everything presented to you. But through working with your experienced team of financial professionals, like your bookkeeper, your accountant, right? And you have them say, hey, sit down, walk me through line by line each step of this report and what this is meaning, what this says, right? It's important that you do that. So you do understand every line that you're affirming and signing your name under penalty of perjury that you understand, but really don't, right? And as you look at your financial statements more regularly, it will become easier. So it won't always be foreign context to you. Like you you have to have these. You have to have these because these are tools. They help you tell your story. They help you build your wealth. They help you make better decisions. They help you make faster decisions. And that ultimately helps make building your wealth easier. So really invest the time into getting that education, getting that confidence, getting that audacity, right, to increase your financial literacy so you can have better results that you are looking to obtain. Until next time, I hope you guys will be able to take away from this episode. Like, share, subscribe to the channel because this information is not reserved for the financial few. This is actually very basic general information. If you already know this uh, information, then hey, go ahead and pass it to someone who doesn't. If this helped to clarify this information because you've heard about it but just not implemented it or really took it that serious, well, this is your time to do so. And if you have not heard and you're like, what is she talking about, right? Listen to this episode again. It's not just a one-time thing. Go back, rewind it, educate yourself. This is where your education is beginning or continuing, but it should not end. Until next time, continue to educate, continue to build your wealth, continue to look out for your own financial future and self, for your family and your legacy. And until next time, learn something new and be great. You are